After Dark, starring John and Danny. Oh man, look at me, I'm talking right away uh, due to editorial decision. Maybe procedural, I think, but welcome to Grim After Dark. My name is John, and that was way less awkward than three seconds of quiet. Uh, this is your weekly rundown of the last week in the community. Uh, literally, the Seinfeld of the Warhammer community, a show about nothing where we talk to the best players and content creators from around the world about the game we love to hate to love, uh, Warhammer. And if we want to have our, our latest Seinfeld meme pop up here, uh, wonderful, possibly. Oh, we're going to just have a video show up. <laughs> there we go. Amazing. Uh, yeah, it's like, well, I don't have this kind of cash. Few do. And God, I, I'm excited for Danny to come on and explain that one to us. Um, I really hope we don't run out of Seinfeld memes, by the way. Otherwise, it's just a bit that's consigned to the bit graveyard of the style guide. Uh, much like the, the style guide itself or, or people actually watching this here. Uh, tonight, Canadian Bronze himself, Alex Madugal, gives us the lowdown on how to solve your bug problems, his thoughts on the cycling of rulebooks during Warhammer seasons, and what separates the top players from you, uh, pretty much. Uh, my co-host tonight needs some introduction. He is the terror of the mid-tables, and fresh off a strong GT showing is Danny McDivitt. So, God, these trends are so good. Man, that is, uh... Oh. God. That's a slow zoom, John. But uh, man, powers. We're, we're going to uh, have to get it. Captures yeah. all of your Majesty, though. Hey, well, uh, Danny, it's not easy. Before we start, um, I didn't yeah. have the strength to do this earlier. I'm not feeling 100 percent today. Uh, but if if we have time, can we do our weekly pre-show routine? Uh, sure. And producer, can we get the the holy image on screen? The holy image uh, of uh, one uh, uh, Mr. Adam Camilleri. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Perfect. Straight to Simon. There we go. Uh, so, uh, Adam Camilleri, give me your power to speak words without pause. Help me to always ramble through my illnesses and awkward pauses so that I can provide at least 60 minutes of content weekly. May your ability to stream for 72 consecutive hours from a dive bar in the Cancun empower me each and every day. Um, and Adam Camilleri, we trust. Mm. Powerful stuff. Thank you, Amen. Danny. I needed that. I needed that. Hey, it feels good, right, uh, Danny? I mean, you well, I mean, I don't know. It makes me a little nervous that somehow Adams moved to America and gained some kind of shaggy-like god power. So I, I don't know. I mean, that makes me a little nervous for for the 40k tournament scene in general. Well, I had like this whole bit set up where I do like the, uh -huh. the blood of Adam and the body of Adam, but he's a very oh. responsible teetotaler, so I'm just going to drink out this Nalgene real quick. Hey, Danny, you went to a GT this weekend, right? How'd that go for you? I did. Oh, are you still feeling Aldari being super powerful? Uh, yeah, they're, I mean, they're good. So how did your craft um, world? Yeah, so I, I played Tau, though, so like I had a pretty good army, too. So oh. uh, I did pretty good. I went four and one. Uh, I lost to uh, Light Harlequins. Um uh, but I felt like the game was one that I could have won. Uh, but that, that, that's, that's how it goes sometimes. Definitely didn't feel like I was down and out. That's awesome. Uh, and hey, to celebrate yeah, your turnout, we'll, we'll go back to this here, but to celebrate your turnout with Tao, uh, we actually put together this professional video, like a, oh, yeah, uh, maybe a, a montage of Can the I construction of a Tao army. Um, yeah, please narrate this montage okay. as we go. There is music, but no, no words over there. So yeah, go, go ahead and narrate this. All right, so here's the Wednesday before the tournament see nothing's painted and then i prime my stuff and airbrushed everything so 
it got done on Friday yeah. night. Beautiful. Um, the lesson here, of course, is iMovie is a powerful free tool, and the way to do an army is just do it, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much. Uh, but, Daddy, you had some more stuff to kind of go on about that, that GT that you went to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, had a great time. Also, if you have a chance and you're in the Spokane area, you should definitely check out Gamers Haven. Uh, Gamers Haven has an attached Cajun, uh, Cajun restaurant, which is absolutely delicious. They have all your favorite games workshop material in stock all the time, as well as a wide selection of paints and other games. Check them out, Gamers Haven. They're in Spokane, Washington. Daddy, keep talking. This Am I done? <laughs> Bob, is that good enough? <laughs> Daddy, Daddy, this Kill Team box just showed up. Keep talking. Oh, we got a Kill Team box? <laughs> Thanks, Gamers Haven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Gamer Saban. That great place in Spokane. Yeah. Jeez. What? Oh, man. <laughs> Quality. Well, it's been a fun time in the Frontline Gaming channel. Uh, uh, right, but that cool. was good. Cool. Yeah. Moving on. So it's a regular bad jokes that, that are planned ahead of times. For those of you um, who couldn't see John at home, he picked up some boxes off screen and held them in his arms. Um, yeah, so if you listen from... to the podcast version, I'll let you know what's happening. Oh, oh uh, yeah. let me just, there's a rewind here. Um, yeah, rewind to that There was also album. a picture previously of Adam Camilleri with visible aura beams uh, emanating from his body. And then before that, there was a Seinfeld meme that was uh, a riff on the episode The Seven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, which, uh, I mean, I could, I could put the meme in context, but really, uh, Elaine strains her neck at one point uh, trying to get a bike down from the wall in an anniversary store. Um, and, uh, Kramer gives her, uh, claims to give her like some shiatsu massage, but like in, in exchange for the bike, but then, you know, the, like, it's not really good massage because her neck is even worse the next day. So they take it to Newman as kind of a judge. Newman kind of says, well, you know, he's going to Solomon it, go cut it right in half one for each of them. Um, uh, and then, uh, what happens is, is Elaine's like, fine, just, uh, like have the bike Kramer. Um, uh, but the, what this meme is referencing, actually, and this is important that I tell you the entire backstory first, is uh, <laughs> Kramer starts keeping a record of yeah. what he takes out of Jerry's fridge so he can repay him. It's kind of like a bill. Um, so you can see in the in the meme, he's saying like, oh, I don't have enough money. And Jerry says, few do. Um, so he ends up selling the bike that he's gained through his illicit shiatsu massaging uh, <laughs> in order to... Uh, uh, to pay for the bill, Lane sees Newman on it, gets extremely upset. Um, Perfect, guys. Please keep making Seinfeld memes involving Warhammer. <laughs> Something I've learned about Danny, known for several years, uh, is that Danny's knowledge of Seinfeld is encyclopedic um, to the point where it's surprising. if you will. Wikipedic. Uh, <laughs> terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Um, but fantastic in itself as well. Um, so now that we're done going back, uh, Danny, it's been a strong week for weirdness, uh, as shown mm-hmm. by this comment here, uh, where a person just learned that orcs were actually made from mushrooms. Uh, the exact text here, as uh, Danny was nice enough to remember, people who are, don't watch this live. Uh, so when the hell were you all going to tell me that orcs are mushrooms? Why did I have to find out through TikTok? Why haven't I seen people modding their orcs with tiny mushroom hats? I have been betrayed by leftist Warhammer on this day. Um, Danny... Oh. I have many thoughts on this. Uh, one, what's a TikTok? Um, and two, uh, orcs as well, I guess. A TikTok is uh, is a short video uh, that came about as kind of a replacement for Vine. Oh, you, you mean Vine? a tout? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 So uh, traditionally used for karaoke, it's now been done as kind of a short, short video platform. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, um, are you, know. you su- are you surprised? Is there any other kind of information that you have out there where like you thought it was super common knowledge, like orcs or fungus? Like I always thought that was super common knowledge out there. Is there anything that you thought was super common, which in fact is not? Uh, yeah. Um, I thought everybody knew that you were supposed to wash your sprues. No, no, that's not true. Shut your face. Like you're yeah, being on that's, that's purpose. No, that's not a real thing. All the best people do it, John. I'm telling you, all the best oh, painters no, do that. Do know. We're gonna ask people later on about this. Chat, do you wash your sprues? Tell us no, or otherwise you're just a liar. Um, anyway, the world is full of people making confident statements, uh, including this meme here, uh, where we have lovely Kriegsman saying, "You have more men than we have bullets." And he replies with, bitch, please, we've got more men than you have stars in your solar system. Danny, this one stood out to me for several reasons. Um, not more the fact that most solar systems have one star. <laughs> mm-hmm. How do you feel uh, about this Kriegsman's confidential, or confident boasting about having say, about two guys? Yeah, I would say most of them have uh, one, one star, but some of them have more more than one. Well, I guess you have like the twin sons of Tatooine, but this is like implying there's a there's a galaxy where Krieg is surrounded by fourteen to seventeen thousand stars. It's which it's, this and this high concentration of gravity, John, has really led to uh, uh, to some powerful guardsmen. That's what one of the reasons they're recruited in, into the Imperial Guard in such rates. They they just never sleep. They never sleep at all. No, uh, Daddy, I have to admit. I don't remember at all why I pulled this comment out. I need your help on this one here. Um, I found a comment that said, you compare your attitude or their attitude towards the game to other creators, such as Tabletop Titans, Art of War, play on Tabletop. It would mm-hmm. be appalling playing versus them in a tournament, unfun games versus unfun spidey losers. Um, now, bearing in mind, I don't have any context or memory of why I pulled this out. Uh, <laughs> like I said, it's, it's been a fun weekend in the old John household. Um, yeah. What do you think they're referring to here? Uh, and, and well, John, is- I would say as both a content creator and a sweaty loser that um, <laughs> I take I take great offense to this comment. You know, like I think I'm fun to play against. Uh, well, all right, hold on. Sometimes that's not all the time, um, but most of the time I think I'm pretty fun to play against. When do you think you've been your most unfun to play against? Um, oh, yeah, I know totally the answer to this. There's this one guy I always get into an argument with every single time we play, and it becomes extremely contentious and salty. Like, every time I show up to the table for no reason. But we're, like, really good friends. Oh, so, Tim. like, it's it's the it's the most bizarre situation. So, like, tournaments just never paired us up against each other, like, forever. <laughs> I think my overriding memory of that is seeing you and this unnamed person who I just named a few minutes ago, um, like uh, arguing very aggressively towards each other about whether it was a close win or a draw. Uh, <laughs> that was when you were at your, your, your best right there. The best. <sighs> the best. Hey, custodians and Tau continue to destroy the competition, but there seems to be a new challenger on the horizon uh, with the <laughs> Eldari coming in. Getting there, it looks like two and a half weeks in the sun. Um, and then <laughs> uh, the oncoming swarm of nits. That we're, that's the reason we brought Alex in today. We're going to be talking about yeah. Tyranids. Uh, do you feel that the Tyranids, and we're obviously going to talk into this more detail later with Alex, um, do you feel the Tyranids are going to be kind of a, a leveler for the meta? 
Um, so instead of having this kind of rock, paper, scissors thing we have now with some of these armies, uh, they're going to be like, oh, we have to deal with this too. I think it further kind of increases the haves and have nots, I would say. Heck um, yeah. And don't you worry, have nots. We're going to talk about Chaos Space Marines later. Um, no, we're not. <laughs> I, I refuse. <laughs> You refuse? Man, it's going to yeah. make a really interesting bit. Uh, BCP <laughs> showed off some of the improvements that they've been working on. Uh, can you see the hidden message here on this little screen that they previewed on their new website? Uh, it's not live yet. Um, Danny, do you see the little secret thing they've added in there? Yeah, is it is it Pete the Pirate? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Pete, they're just going to make imaginary people, and that's how we're going to make GT and major numbers for smaller countries. Um, that's the only way to keep it fair. No, uh, ELO rankings uh, are a part of a, oh, a person's... Oh, yeah, no, I didn't see that then, John. Uh, ...are a part of a person's thing. Uh, uh, the ELO test uh, being part of it, as well as win ratios and a class. Uh, so splitting people between class A, B, C, D, E, and J, which I would like to be the lowest level for me. Um, Danny, how do you view... One, what is an ELO? Uh, for those who haven't listened intensely to, to Peter the Falcon talking about it. Uh, and then two, uh, how do you view the addition of this to the competitive field for making kind of a better tournament environment? Well, and like, man, I hope I'm not wrong about this. Uh, uh, so uh, ELO is like a ranking that came from chess. Um, and it's a way that you can better rank players based on their skill level and potentially like pre-rank people in a tournament, like see them based on skill level as opposed to just a random pairing. Um, that's a potentiality that I know that people have looked at. Um, so yeah, it's just another way that you can uh, tell somebody how much better you are at Warhammer than they are. Yeah. And chat instantly pointing out that it was a League of Legends things that they created. Oh, okay. um, and then did some kind of weird emoji afterwards, and I'm not down with the Twitch, so I don't know what that was. Um, but how do you think that's going to like set the competitive feel? Because right now, like, there's sort of a feeling of you're paired up against these top players, like like your Alex McDougal. So you're going to be like, oh, oh no, okay, it's going to be a fun game. But I'm not going to win. Do you think this is going to be something that's going to help that? Um, I mean, anytime. Well, I mean, it could. It could. It's 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 dependent it's dependent a lot on implementation and I think like how it gets rolled out and then of course community acceptance is going to be important too. But I mean if BCP is just you know you know uh, looking at it or, or collecting the information anyway, I guess it doesn't really matter. Yeah, that may cause like some sticky situations for uh, countries that have higher uh, uh, like a higher threshold for gathering people's information than like the United States does. Imagine if you will a nightmare scenario. Which I know is hard in these modern times, um, but you, you especially when we're talking about 40k, there's no book, scenarios there. You book your, your travel, you get your hotel because you got into a rank B tournament for your ELO score. And right before you go, uh, your buddy uh, runs an army against you, drops you to class C, and drops you out. That's the nightmare future we're looking at. No, it's not. It's a really good idea, and it's going to ensure that people are playing against like types. Um, Guys, guys, players, uh, your answers, may, your your questions may be answered on Wednesday, uh, but until then, uh, with the Adepticon previews coming in, we have to rely on memes. Um, where the upcoming Adepticon preview could just be the new Chaos Space Marine style line with two wounds in it, nothing else, and that would still be the best preview of 2022. Uh, Danny, as someone who watched the Avatar preview at, uh, at LVO, um, would you agree with that statement that an extra wound on a Chaos Marine is better than a reimagined Eldar line? No. No. There we go. 
And you said you wouldn't talk much about chaos because they don't deserve it. I appreciate that you're a man of your word. You stuck to that. Um, on top of that, a new chaos stratagem was also previewed, as we can oh. see here. Yeah, yeah. It's called Veterans of the Long Wait. Oh, man. Uh, use this strategy really powerful, John. When a non-heretic Astartes Codex is revealed to be the next one, complain on Reddit or YouTube with spicy memes uh, by the long wait timer, reminding Space Marine players you have scale-accurate firstborn models. You can mm. laugh. It still hurts on the inside just a little. Uh, my favorite thing about this fake... Oh, this is fake, by the way. I don't know if I need to point that out, but it is. It's important now that we like make sure we, we, we show you know what actually is a fake and what's not. There is some victim complex going on with certain armies, and I want to point out that this one CP stratagem is maybe real. Uh, no, it's not. It's completely fake. Spoken like a true chaos player, man. <laughs> exactly. It's very zingy to me. Yeah. Uh, of course, this is all driven by Games Workshop's insistence that 2022 was the year of chaos. And next up in the year of chaos, Danny, what's our next armies? Uh, chaos Knights and Imperial Knights, probably. Yeah, Imperial Knights. Yeah, good old Norm Macdonald coming in <laughs> and letting us know that cool. Imperial Knights are coming. Uh, Danny, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, of course, the community reaction. Uh especially if we get to the chaos space, if they don't get 12 solid months of releases, then factually, uh, and as a fledgling lawyer itself, uh, GW was incorrect of calling this the year of chaos. Uh, what is your take on making it to almost May or April release-wise and has still no chaos? I mean, it's it's April, John. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I don't know. Like, okay, so, yeah, all right. So maybe not every codex is for chaos is going to get released like immediately in the like the first two months of the year I, I don't know i don't i don't know what people want anymore like well actually no i do know exactly what people want they want the entirety of all the rules for the game out at the same time um which is probably a legitimate gripe uh, to some in some respects um uh but it's unreasonable based on the track record that games workshop has and the like and and the uh the challenges that they've apparently been uh having with uh the the the, the global distribution network like can you, know, you imagine the poor sap working at the warehouse i'm going to assume the frontline gaming warehouse they're getting his pre-orders ready when every single codex is arriving at the same time like where do you put them like, i don't know like there maybe uh, it's the worst logistics it's logistics yeah. you really Legi you've really hit the nail on the head john yeah i got that as you can tell top of my game this week uh on top of that uh some top I, I know right <laughs> uh on top of that some top notch troll work coming out of a 30k the, the 30k shit posting community uh with this image today railing up a storm on twitter when someone responded to warhammer community uh with this wonderful work of photoshop uh, showing Mr. Adam Troke uh, at a preview beside a screen that says the Horus Heresy, the Belrosian Age. Uh, of course, and hinting at the fact that it's call. Uh, Danny, what's your take on this? So this picture, by the way, is a picture of a, of a, of a large man uh, with no hair standing in front of a brightly lit <laughs> PowerPoint uh, that shows a Primaris Marine as the new Horus Heresy Marine. Um, what I'd like to point out, though, is to make sure that this is not the man that we said that we wouldn't have on the podcast anymore, mentioned by name or a skinnier version of him. Um, this is Adam Troke, not Meth Moister. So uh, it's it's important to mention that. And I just like to keep up the watch for Adam Troke. Is that guy doing okay? Like, we haven't seen yeah. him in a while. Like, I was going to say, can we, we know the image? Watch 20, 
Troke Watch 22. I was gonna say, we know the image is fake because no one's seen Adam Troke in 37 years. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that's like a real thing. Yeah. Seth is actually, sorry, Math is actually being like a stand in for Adam this entire time. Uh, so, like, just all kinds of Warhammer community things are like, I need a bald guy with a beard. Uh, go. Yep. And then, yeah, we got it there. Perfect. Uh, on a more serious note, though, uh, it is a Photoshop. It is fake. Uh, Primaris Marines aren't coming to 30K. Will they upsize them? Probably. It's fine, though. Um, but how would 30K, the call years, actually break that community apart? Like, what would be your opinion of what would happen if that was true? Good. <laughs> like, you talk about... Okay, so I'm going to be real with you for a minute here. Um, oh, my gosh. I think 30K players are the worst gatekeeping community in all the Warhammer like communities. They're really bad about really bad about that stuff. So like anything we can do to break more people into that game, I think is gonna be way healthier. A for that game, which is really cool. Like uh, what a great concept and like a cool timeline to be playing in. Uh, and the rules are are really fun. Um, but they are uh, seventh the edition community rules. sucks. That's fair. Oh, you didn't use the right dark red for your word bearers. Wait, you have this character in your army, but like you're they're they're not painted gray. Like, oh, that's not their pre heresy. Shut the. F anyway, yeah, terrible. And I think my favorite thing here is uh, a comment from our producer who says uh, explaining that this person is the nemesis co-host of Signals from the Frontline, which you can catch on Wednesdays right here in the Frontline Gaming Network. So <laughs> it's uh, some quality shilling going on. I love it. Um, hey, Warhammer buy and sell pages are getting real weird. Uh, we I did have a picture of this, oh. but I took it off uh, because it's just why. Awful. Come uh, on, because, let's see it. No, okay. So someone posted uh, a picture of a bunch of live possums that they were trying to sell on a Warhammer buy sell and sell and trade page with the little thing afterwards that said they need this. They will die tonight if they're not taken. Which I thought was, it was a little oh. bit of a, it was a little bit of a serious thing. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, they, I mean, they were just blasting out there the picture of those possums. The thing that disconcerted me is when they're all on the plate like that, they look like marinated chicken. And like, <laughs> I'm like, why? Someone must be proud of this. Why is this on the Warhammer page? And then I looked again, and it was actually baby possum, which is like ten times weirder. Like, and it was they were. Why would you put them on a paper plate? Like, put them somewhere where they have, like, some warmth and stuff? Like, a blanket or something? I don't know, man. I think my favorite thing about it is when we were discussing whether they put the picture up or not. Uh, the producer was like, yeah, we could tell. We're like, we'll find out. Are they safe? Are they not? We're like, oh, no, they're absolutely not okay. Uh, we're like, <laughs> that, is, that is not a thing I want to revisit at any point whatsoever. Oh, but anyway, Danny, what's aside from live possums needing uh, critical medical attention, uh, what's the weirdest thing you've seen for sale on Facebook uh, uh, in Warhammer pages? Oh, okay. I'm like, I'm a Warhammer. <laughs> I had pages. to specify right there. <laughs> that's that's important. That's important, John. Um, I don't know. I, I've seen some wildly, like, wildly optimistic asking prices on things. Um, like, I've seen a lot of, like, full retail, like, my models are built but not painted, but like I'm selling them for full retail uh, kind of stuff. And I'm just like, who buys that stuff? People who don't like building or options or whatever. Really, though? I, Fools. Yeah, God. I, I wouldn't pay full retail. But then again, we are a very wow. cheap community. And the, and the nicest part of the, the well, word of saying it here. 
Anyway, so we, uh, uh, Daddy, we're going to welcome back an old friend really quick. It's our favorite video that was created as part of this show. Uh, oh, let's uh, hit it in like three to six seconds. Our producer's been replaced by Morty. The screen isn't black, folks. It's just... <laughs> That video can only mean one thing. It's for the Bay Area Open, and that can only mean that the Atlantic City Open 2022 tickets are now live. Uh, this is the second year Frontline Gaming has hosted this event, and it's gearing up to eventually become the LVO of the East Coast. And you're not going to want to miss out. It's a fun beach town in the summer, the Atlantic City Open, uh, not the Bay Area Open that we just advertised, which is also a great uh, fun time. <laughs> so even if you roll poorly... <laughs> <laughs> you can still go and enjoy the city. The ACO 2022 takes place June 10th through 12th at the Harrods Resort and Casino in Atlantic City. Uh, get your tickets and swag now. And then, Danny, as I slowly get fired from this position, it's been a beautiful nine months. Why don't you introduce uh, our guest for the time? Well, yeah, and I would love to do that. First, I'd just like to remind people that these two tournaments aren't close to each other. So, like, you can't just buy tickets for both and like be able to drive from one or the other unless you like like you know 30 40 hour drive or whatever i don't know how long it takes to drive across the u.s but they're like literally on the opposite side of the country so but definitely go to both they're both pretty cool anyway let's talk let's let's, let's introduce our guests now yeah i really like, thank oh, you for trying oh, to man. save that one for me well and you may know him from his coaching uh for for the uh art of for the art of for art of war or uh, his numerous tournament podiums Tonight we're pleased to introduce the beloved Northern Nid, Canada's golden boy, the champion of Climax, Saskatchewan, Alex McDougall. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was going to go for the <laughs> no. Tyranid Terror oh, of the Tundra. I'm going to use that one on my wife later. called Climax. <laughs> amazing danny take it away man well thanks for being with us tonight alex how are you doing are you doing pretty well have you played in any tournaments lately uh yeah i had a 20 player rtt just a little while ago yeah yeah it was a good time how'd it go did you play uh and you're a prolific player of course of like tyranids gene sealer cults did you play gene sealer cults or forces of the hive mind i played a mild change to my lvo list i was pretty lazy yeah. about it Fair enough. But most importantly, yeah, best sportsman. <laughs> Woo! Heck yeah, that's awesome, man. Sir, those yeah. awards are reserved for people who can't play the game. Um, and the <laughs> fact that you're you're winning tournaments and best sportsman just seems unfair at this point. I was going to ask who you chokeholded in the parking lot. Didn't took that from, but you know, okay. <laughs> Give me that. I'm the nicest. <laughs> Non-Canada, you would just have to ask for it. The dude who won it would definitely just give it to you. <laughs> oh, you're right. I, I, I probably shouldn't have won this. Here you go. <laughs> oh, man. 
Awesome. So uh, uh, recently uh, there was uh, a giant uh, spill of rumors uh, for the new Tiernet book. Um, uh, seems like uh, somebody leaked a bunch of screenshots from that. Um, so uh, what overall do you think of the changes to the Tiernet army? I think it's pretty different now, right? Oh, I think it's great. Uh, I think it's I think it's versatile and dynamic. You can build like they still have let you play in all three phase or all four phases. Like you can do cool movement stuff, good shooting, good psychic, good combat. It's just that the data sheets make sense now. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of these changes that they made to the data sheets where kind of it makes sense? Uh if you look at the scale of like just how the game has sort of progressed, uh there's a lot of toughness five. There's a lot of extra wounds. Like if Marines are two wounds and you compare them to the size of like a tyrant guard, that's like four times as thick. Why is that one more wound? So they've increased in toughness and durability. So they're kind of just matching, you know, how they should feel, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, just real quick, Captain Andrew, uh, Tyranids probably do have relic pistols. Uh, the joke was cut this week uh, due to my inability to be funny. Uh, so I'm sure we'll follow up on that in a, in a future episode. Continue. Oh, um, yeah, I was, that's that's pretty cool. So, like, dynamically, do you see like there seems like there's a lot more viable options now in the codex, right? Do you see people steering more towards kind of the crusher brood style of list, like with a lot of monsters or? something that's pretty mixed or something that's mostly little guys or even like as forces the hive mind still pretty viable uh, where do you kind of see the direction of uh competitive tier it's going ah oh, cool that was like one question right okay um <laughs> <laughs> it was no it was just it's a general question about like where where do you see that where do you see the book going like what what, I, like, I, what kind of, those were just I some examples was. yeah with as many square <laughs> words as possible um <laughs> I definitely think the only one that's probably not going to work, although I'm damn well going to try, is the Horde. I don't know if there's like a really viable Horde right now. I want to run like 90 Hormagons. Um, some of the uh, high fleet traits definitely do benefit them pretty well. Mm -hmm. but they're 8 points a piece, which feels a little pricey for something that's still just T3 and a 5 plus armor save. Yeah. Um, I think in the long run, the best armies will be like a pretty balanced one. Like a lot of the mid range stuff, like warriors and raveners and zoanthropes. And then like a couple of Hormagon units just to go do your actions and screen and stuff. But I definitely think like a pure monster list could probably work. Yeah. Um, Carnifexes are awesome now. They got a huge, huge boost. Um, I mean, all the monsters are just so much better than they used to, to the point where I'm having trouble evaluating stuff because I'm like, I just look at it and like, look at all the new numbers. There's so many more numbers. <laughs> the numbers are all much larger. <laughs> <laughs> there is something special. There's a relic in the book uh, that if you're not attacking a vehicle, you just auto wound. It's like supposed to be so poisonous that if you've touched your opponent, they take a wound. There's something really special explaining that to somebody that your monster has 13 attacks and you don't need to roll the wound. <laughs> the <Yes>. Surprise! <laughs> so how do you think, because right, recently, the past few months in the meta, kind of Tyranids have been kind of pigeonholed into that kind of Crusher Stampede list coming from White Dwarf. Now that we're seeing with like uh, the Octarius supplements going in the last chance to buy, how do you see the, the Tyranids evolving 
uh, if you pardon the pun, past this. Do you think Crusher Stampede is still going to be a thing? Is that going to be taken out in the latest balance update? Kind of where do you see it going? I truly hope they're both gone. <laughs> um, okay. Honestly, first of all, Octarius made it so that you only play Leviathan. Yeah. Um, and admittedly, Tyranids have already just been like, there's two data sheets and data sheets that support those data sheets, and that's kind of it. Um, but no, Crusher Stampede is not okay with new rules. Like, Crusher Stampede was doing well with data sheets that were functionally garbage, like the Harpy. Like, the Harpy was in an LVO top eight list, and the Harpy is ass. But it was okay because Crusher Stampede bailed it out, and you were able to just, like, every time it charges, here's six mortal wounds. If you put that into the current list or the current codex coming out, it'll be absolutely unreasonably good. Are you ready for Carnifexes with minus two damage? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> no. No. One. No. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. And there's some like, like some of the stuff with like that, that kind of gets duplicated in the new book too, right? Like a lot of the stuff mm -hmm. that we see in Crusher like ended up in this new Tyranid book. So it kind of feels silly for them to be able to double down on some of these things like plus D3 attacks and things like that as a stratagem. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. Leviathan, I, I'm fine either way with that. I mean, you're you're 100% correct, right? Like people are only going to play Leviathan because it just gives you the most options and the trade isn't bad. It's totally good. So um, do, you, do you think that... So if you take away the supplements, do you, do you feel like Leviathan is still one of the better choices to uh to, to play off of or do you feel like maybe some of the other uh, high fleets are kind of a little bit a little bit better i definitely think leviathan will be the go-to to start yeah. like it's kind of just the obvious like hey do you want all of your warriors to be transhuman sounds pretty yeah. good uh there's definitely a lot of like versatility in it as well mm -hmm. with the spell being kind of unique in being able to hand out an extra we'll call it the tyranid canticles because that's yeah. essentially what it is mm -hmm. um yeah, you get the much like... better canticles. <laughs> I like that you said it. So instead of instead of giving you a codex, GW's like a back market dealer, like down in alleyway, like opening, like, hey, hey, you want your warriors to have transhuman? And they're kind of going through like all the things there. Like that's what you have to do to get it. You've uh, like like Danny said, kind of in your introduction there. Uh, you've been playing Tyranids like pretty much primarily your your whole time, right? Mm -hmm. Or was there kind of like an, another army that you dabbled in before settling down? I also played a pretty good amount of Eldar as well, and all versions of that. When I first started playing, I was like a child. So, you know, I picked the monsters that I thought were cool. I played StarCraft, so I decided that Zerg and Tyranids were the, the choice for me. And then, yeah, after a while, I was like, I kind of want a second army, and I played with Eldar for a bit. And over time, I've played most of the armies in the game, but it, I always kept going back to Tyranids. And what, what is it that draws you? Them. What what draws you back to that? Because it is a very unique sort of playstyle in the game, uh, compared to the the other armies. Is it that, or is there other things in there? Uh, there's definitely some other factors. Like I like how they look. I like the lore. Um, I like just the. I I don't know. I didn't. I don't want to play a sci-fi game and then be like, I want to play humans. <laughs> <laughs> I am human. That's boring. We're in a sci-fi universe. Expand your horizons. And that's Guys, what it's yeah, boring. Scoop, 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 boring. Number, <laughs> scoop number one from this. Uh, Alex is human. Like, we, yeah. we wanted to ask. There's no polite way to ask that. Um, so thank you but for confirming. Confirmed. Uh, confirmed. Network first. Network first. Yeah. Confirmed. Alex is a person. No people here. 
Definitely, <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it's a big part of it is the play style too. I like fast armies and I like combat armies. And uh, that's kind of what they've always been like the underlying. Like they can kind of do it all, but they do mostly. They are a combat army. And that's where I've always enjoyed the best, uh, had the best um, enjoyment in the game. I like that uh, chat saying that's exactly what a robot would say to convince us he's human. Um, <laughs> but Fair joke's enough. on you. I've seen him do a capture before. Uh, so he can't be a robot. He nailed every single school bus. It was great, guys. <laughs> In real life, too. Get on it. <laughs> so what are some kind of things that you're known for? Because I think, and, and you can correct me when I'm completely wrong, and this is some kind of weird fever dream. I first heard of like you and your lists from... Uh, the gene sealer cult, right? And kind of like the buggy spam going out there. Thank you for nodding so enthusiastically, Danny. That helped. You're welcome. Uh, sorry, was it the end of the questioning? Yeah, yeah. It was. Okay, yeah. <laughs> European, I get the sarcasm. It's fine. Uh, I think the first list that ever got anyone to really notice me was the double kraken gene stealer list. That was probably the very first one, but that was very early on into eighth. And I don't think a ton of people were really paying attention to anyone that wasn't like already sort of like a household name. Um, mm -hmm. And then after that, it was definitely the buggy spam because it was weird. And I think it was like the worst that Tyranids had ever been. So anyone getting success with it was kind of like surprising. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, I had the the uh, pleasure of playing Malik round one at LVO. And I think that's what really caught people's attention because people were like, oh, Malik and Manny, they're going to come in and they're going to do really well. And they're going to make the top eight at LVO and then Malik gets dumped out round one. And they're like, what is this list that beat this Imperial Fist garbage? Because <laughs> <laughs> that list was egregious at the time. Yeah. How did that feel? And like, Daddy, I'm sorry I keep jumping in on you here, but um, like we talked about it earlier, some of the points of uh, you're going to LVO, you're relatively unknown at this point here. And you're going up against someone who's very kind of well-known within their circle here of the UK community. Malik, of course, is still a great player. Um, to come in and kind of just uh, win that game, like how did that feel for you at the time? Oh, it was great. I mean, I think some people, okay, so people didn't know who I was as much, but I knew where I stood as far as skill is concerned. Like, sure, I haven't played Malik, but I've been to Charity Hammer twice. I've got three games against Nanavati. I've got three games against Lennon. Like, I, I know that I can handle myself against anyone. So there wasn't like a, oh, he's the celebrity. It was just like, okay, <laughs> let's play the game and see how it goes. I want to see that being part of your pregame ritual now, by the way, is just fanboying <laughs> out over your opponent, regardless of who they are. And be like, only oh, done that once. Sam, can you sign this for me? Can you sign this for me, Sam? I just want—I want you on there. Be like, "What are you talking about right now?" And just real pregame getting that. Who, who did you? Who do you fanboy over? Who, who does Alex McDougal fanboy over? The, the one time I ever really fanboyed over it uh, was Jeff Robinson. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Sam. that's surprising because our producer <laughs> has been saying my ear this entire time his name over and over and over again. He just keeps whispering. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, buddy, your bill plate's done. It's, it's, kind, of, it, it's uh, kind of a husky sounding whisper, too. It's like, it's very disconcerting. How, what was it like kind of oh, growing in reputation? <laughs> like kind of going for like, of course, you know, you're like the, what did, Teddy, what did you call him again? Like the Saskatchewan terror or something or like. I don't know. No, that was Climax Saskatchewan. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but going from this this small town Canada uh, person, we're going to just pretend it's like a village of seven seven houses. Um, pretty close. Population yeah. 149. Population 149. Yeah. Uh, well, that's real. They're they're real big houses. We can both be right. You don't have to correct me all the time. I'm okay. kidding. You do. I'm absolutely wrong. Um, kind of starting to get that notoriety and starting to get people to to notice you in this game. Was that like a weird transition for you? Yeah, I think it was. Um, because I think it happened kind of quickly. Like, it's not like I changed what I was doing. I was just attending the events and honestly still having like pretty consistent results the entire time. I guess it was just repetition. And I think a part of it was also, I think it was being so loyal to Tyranids. So mm -hmm. it like, it built up a reputation within like, oh, this person only plays this. And then it was kind of like the worst Tyranids got, the more people paid attention to me. <laughs> it's like, because we, there was times like where we, I would win like a GT, like our standard, like 30 player GT, and it was news. <laughs> oh, somebody did it. <laughs> like ignore the meta. It's fine. I won. That's the important part, right? Tyranids are winning over here. See, nothing's broken. You guys yeah, are it's fine. Yeah, the key thing to remember cool. is even when Tyranids were barely winning anything, they still had to nerf the Dumacaran twice. <laughs> it's because it's a, a gorgeous model. And a, true story, it's my favorite model in the Forge World range, like, entirely. Um, and they probably just didn't want to print or make any more. Uh, so they were like, yeah, nerf it a bunch, nerf it a bunch. It's fine. I think it's funny you think people were actually purchasing from Forge World. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh. Oh Harsh. man! But as long as Tyler edits out the part where I said print, um, <laughs> as the guy who owns two Forge World ones, ouch, uh, my feelings. Um, what is, your is, other, is your other kidney lonely? <laughs> <laughs> not, not after Wednesday. It won't be after the GW preview with the Primaris Marines and Heresy. I'm going to buy all of those ones. Make sure everyone knows they're, what a great game system it is. I, I just want to make sure I understand. They're going to get you another kidney, or what's what? The, what's happening <laughs> it's my 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 call, like Belisarian Furnace, right? That's that's another organ I get given. GW oh. sells you your organs back. Okay. Yeah. I see now. That's fair. That's good. Uh, the Tyranid range has some some giant, huge monsters. Like I said, uh, I, I love the Demacaron. It's a beautiful model. It's a lot going on a bit. What are some of your favorite models in that range? Uh, what drew you to them? Oh, man. Um, Death Leaper is definitely a favorite of mine. He's really cool. And again, I love the lore. I love, there's like a story in one of the older books of him like hunting a commander for like weeks until he just kills himself. He's like yeah. so terrified he just offs himself. Like, oh, that's so awesome. Um, I like the Toxicreen, even though it's unplayable on the board. Uh, and I don't mean by the rules, like the rules are for it are good now. I just mean how are you ever gonna move that thing? <laughs> I'm not modeling for advantage, I'm modeling just to move it across a corridor. Yeah, mine isn't within arm's reach. I was painting it. Um, but yeah, it's like eleven oh. inches wide. Yeah, did he make it into your list now? I was going to run them. I mean, yeah. honestly, at this point, I feel like you can just kind of throw stuff at the wall and make a pretty feasible list. I think there's a couple of like core units that you're going to want in everything. Right. But I, around that core, I think you can just be like, okay, uh, like Horus Bex is out, Toxicreen is in. Yeah. Swap the Toxicreen out for two Carnifexes or whatever. Like, doesn't really matter. It just works. Yeah. I think it's going to be yeah. a lot. It's going to feel like that for quite a bit. Okay. Fair enough. 
So what are these core ingredients that, that we're building turreted lists around? You mentioned kind of you're swapping out little parts here and there. What are the core things people should be like ordering ASAP before they go out of stock for, for months? Uh, warriors are definitely the core of the army now, like for your troop choice. Yeah. Um, I think they went a little too far in the wrong direction with Termagons. I think Termagons are just kind of bad now. There's seven points of base and they didn't get, they didn't really get anything. Um, like Termagons were not great because they were good. They were great because they had a completely broken stratagem on a gun that was too good. Um, <laughs> that we take that away. They're not really that important. Hormagons, I'll find some way to work with them. And Gargoyles, again, are just like, they're not great, but they're action monkeys. They're fast. But Warriors, I think, are going to be in the core of like every single list, like 20 to 25 every list. They shoot. Their combat is absurd if you kid it out right. Like, I, that might be one of the very first things where GW might want to take a look at that. <laughs> like, I told people when Drakari were busted, when Admech was busted, if Tyranids are busted, I'll tell you right away. I've put Tyranid Warriors into just about anything, and it dies. And it's pretty crazy for a 25-point core troop. <laughs> it holds objectives. Um, and the other one is there's definitely a big psychic presence that's going to be really important. The Maliceptor, Neurothrope, and Zoanthrope, all in unison, can put out a ridiculous number of mortal wounds. Let's say, what's the craziest thing you put the Tyranid Warriors into? Um, that you were surprised, like, oh, those did that, huh? Oh, it was like the uh, minus, I can't remember all the buffs that were on them, but it was like a full four stack of crisis suits with the one plus or two plus armor save and feel no pain and um, the injectors and drones, and they just picked the entire unit up. And I only put six of the nine units into them, or six of the nine warriors into them. Wow. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some pretty interesting combinations of strats and things for the warriors. Do you, do uh, do any of them really strike your fancy as being like exceptionally powerful, or uh, maybe the synaptic imperatives or whatever they're called? Uh, the, <laughs> the 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 the, uh, the canicles, the nid canicles, the song of the nids, the, the tentacles. <laughs> I know. I, I, I'd like to just sit there in silence and watch you struggle when you were right Thank the you. first time. Yeah, <laughs> you, you nailed it. <laughs> um, yeah, I know the, the snap comparatives are great. Um, you can have that one turn from the zone throws where everything in your army has a five plus invulnerable save as long as it's within synapse. You have 20 warriors on the board, everyone's in synapse. Um, the warriors themselves, when you go to the their uh, synaptic, they have exploding sixes in combat. Yep. There's definitely a lot of power there, but. The cool part with the Warriors is that they gave Adrenal Glands, Toxin Sacks, and Flesh Hooks out as a unit. Yep. So if you have a 9-pack, paying 5 points for Flesh Hooks is just like a no-brainer. Like, hey, do you want to be Jump Infantry so you can just scale walls freely and have a stratagem for 1 CP to get plus 1 to hit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for 5 points, that's a really good upgrade. That's pretty good. <laughs> now... Sorry, Danny, go, go, go. Oh, yeah. No, it's fine. They have an interesting pricing structure on the Warriors, I thought, like with the upgrades costing a flat number of points to kind of uh, want to make people take more than just like minimum three-man units. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think that do you think that the wall unit of nine is pretty terrifying? Do you think people are just going to pump more shots into that or like be able to target that more freely rather than kind of some MSU-style, uh, you know, Warrior builds? I think the answer is going to be 
like two, three, four, five mans. Yeah. Okay. And then and then a nine. I think you do kind or not even necessarily a nine, but you want one bigger block, and that's mm-hmm. that big like really gross unit in the middle. Because if you want to, you can get the defense on the warriors really really jacked up. You can have the venom throws behind them for minus one. Yep. You can have. Uh, I'm willing to spend two CP for minus one damage on the big unit. You can give them catalyst. So now they have a five plus feel no pain. You can give them transhuman with the being in Leviathan. Like you can make that one unit really wild. And then if your opponent gives that unit any targets, they can probably deal with it because you can give them plus one to hit from a roller trait and rural ones to hit from the hive turn. Yeah. So even their shooting becomes really, really scary because it's essentially just a unit with nine heavy bolters in it with that don't miss. Yeah, that's true. And do you mention a hive tyrant? Do you feel like he's kind of a gimme as well? Yeah, I think there'll be one hive tyrant minimum in every single list. I think a lot of people are thinking they're so good that they will willingly go to a patrol, like a second detachment, just to get a second hive tyrant mm-hmm. because the bodyguard rules are still kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, totally fair and true. <laughs> so jumping in here, guys, for 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 the the people here, and obviously I'm not referring to myself, but the people here might not know what you're you're going on about here about the bodyguard rule for for your guys. What's so stupid about it in this tarot book? Uh, bodyguard rule in general is just if you can't you can't shoot the character if the bodyguards are nearby. But there's nothing in that rule that says that the bodyguards have to be like visible to the opponent. So you can have two massive, huge hive tyrants with wings sitting in front of a wall that just can't be shot because there's three little jerks behind the wall protecting them and it makes no sense. Like that the bodyguard should always be like a viable target. Like you shoot the tyrant and it sloughs the wound off to the bodyguard. But that's what it should be for everyone. But yeah, you can have the venom cannon relic gun sitting on a hive tyrant, which is a strength 12, AP minus five, flat five damage gun on a target that can't be shot. That's no thinking, GW, no thinking. <laughs> or, like, alternatively, too, you can have a Hive Tyrant with wings that can fly out, maybe advance and charge from, from being within three of these guys, kill something, and then use Return to the Skies to fly back up into the sky to return the next turn next to the bodyguards and, mm-hmm. like, repeat the process as many times as you need to clear objectives and that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, that sounds <laughs> horrific. <laughs> to the point where I'd even debate using, like, Kraken for it. Because yeah. then there's the stratagem to go eight. So a hive tyrant with adrenal glands and that stratagem will move twenty-five. Cool. That's pretty fast. <laughs> it, it just it just works. And that's the important thing. Uh one of my favorites in the book, just because of how terrible it's been and how weirdly written its rules have been before, is the pyrovore. a uh, little meme unit oh. with this little little flash cannon on its back. How did the pyrovore make out in this new book? Is it still able to auto-wound everything on the table? Power Wars are awesome. (laughs) They're just so cool. They're, like, originally we started looking into them because they were 25 points, and they were cheap cheap, and you would just use them as, like, go sit on an objective for 25 points, go do rod, go do engage, but then, of course, the missions change, and that doesn't really work anymore. But they're they're T5, 5 wounds, and a 3-plus armor save for 30 points now. Even if they didn't have a gun, I think they'd almost be worth it to just run around being stupid. Like, 30 points for that level of wound is just awesome. But then the, the 
flamers themselves are pretty good. You get two different profiles, and he's got a D6 damage two flamer at strength six. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, it's Danny, solid. Are we are we finally Danny in the age of the pyrovore uh, away from that fun little picture that I didn't put in this week of him holding a single balloon? John, <laughs> it's never the age of the pyrovore. You need to stop. <laughs> it's we always had an intervention about this like two years ago, and you said was you were that when I bought five of them? Yeah. After you bought five of them, we sat you down. Your <laughs> wife asked you to stop. Please, Intervention. The family. Like, and... <laughs> I think that was like, I bought a bunch of them because I loved the model. It looked ridiculous. And I lied and said I was just going to run it as a biovore. Um, <laughs> but then, like, it was when you guys were like, look, we're not going to let you play it the way where if it dies, everything on the table takes a mortal wound. Like, I don't care how it's written. That's not going to happen. I was like, okay, that's fine. It's fine. And you promised us but you were going to I'm sad about Pirate Wars. I don't know. No. But then, yeah, I didn't. Suck you it. Did. What are you going to do? Ask <laughs> questions. Uh, oh, yeah. So if the if it's not the year of the Pirate Wars, which it's not. Um, <laughs> so other than the Tyranid Warrior, other than the Psychic Guys, other than Hive Tyrants, uh, would you say, what would you say is probably your, like, ne- what's your favorite unit out of the book? Regardless of power level, like just the way the way the way the rules work, like what what do you really what do you think is really like the biggest coolest winner in your eyes? Oh man, I think it's I think it's two. There's two of them that just like got way better and got a bunch of cool rules. Uh, that's the Ravener and the Venom Throat. Awesome. The Raveners are so sick. They have seven attacks apiece, and there's just something about that. That's again, it's that like oh big number. <laughs> Look at all the attacks. <laughs> I want to play with that. And then actually it's kind of the same thing with the Venom Thropes. The Venom Thropes have five attacks, but then they also have a three plus take a mortal and you fight last. And also a four plus you can't fall back from combat. And also they wound anything in the game on twos. <laughs> Except for vehicles, but we don't care about vehicles. Also, so what is- they Sorry. fly. So they can use that stupid stratagem to just leave the table if they want to. And like be like, oh no, I was guarding the backfield. Joke. They're psyched. Now I'm in the back of the now I'm in the back of the table. Just venom venom throwing it up over here. Maybe I took five. Maybe I'm good at RD. Who knows? Do you say yeah. venom throwing it up? Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to take zone throws off the field and then drop oh. them back and smite somebody for D3 <laughs> plus three. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Surprise! Actually, if we're really going to talk about absurd things with that specific stratagem, so the stratagem for people that don't know is called encircling something, I don't know, but it's one it's CP, yeah. take anything with the burrow or fly keyword off the board, and then re-deep strike it next turn. You know what has fly? <laughs> Hierophant. <laughs> no. It does. What? It has... It has okay, so it's like unusable because of its size, right? Like it's just gigantic. So they gave it a fly, so you could like hop it over little buildings and like get its legs straddled around the sides of ruins, so it can actually move across the board because it literally can't if you don't have that. But it has the fly keyword, so you just shoot your sixteen shots and then scoop them off the board and then just bring them back in next turn and like shoot and recharge. Mm, nothing says fun like an uninteractable super heavy. <laughs> <laughs> the funny part is he can actually get 
all the charge benefits that everyone else can, because you can use uh, Shardler, which is where you shoot something with a synapse creature, you get 3d6, drop the lowest, and then I think he gets all the hyper, the biomorphologies where you can like swap into another adaptation, yeah. and one of them is plus one to the charge. So you do that once per unit upgrade that you can have for GSE, where you get to deep strike at eight and get 3d6, you just give that to a higher font. Nice. Cool. <laughs> do you expect to see an update to the Forge World uh, Tyranid units pretty quickly out of the gate here for, for Tyranids? I don't know. I mean, right now, I don't care because I'm just like excited to have cool, fun stuff. And I think There's a lot numbers. of the monsters are kind of left behind now. Like, if you look at, say, like a Barb Strangler, or sorry, a Barb uh, Hair Duel, yeah. like, what are you really getting out of it that you're not getting out of the regular Codex now? Do you want 18 wounds at T8 and a 2 plus, or do you want a Exocrine with 15 wounds, T8 and a 2 plus? Like, you drop three wounds, you get to benefit from line of sight blocking terrain, and your guns only got a little bit worse. Yeah, where the terrain effects is like one less wound. Oh, terrain effects is a thick daddy. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> but oh, tell us about your thick daddy. <laughs> I have three of them. Heck yeah. <laughs> all with acid flavors. All with the acid spray. Nice. Mm. Amazing. So where's your head kind of going? You said it was uh, like uh, big boys only. You were trying to make hordes work, but I didn't really see where it was going. What is sort of like, just to, to kind of make true on the clickbait we put out there at the start here, what is sort of like your ideal Tyranid list right now that, that you're going to be running out of this book? Well, I've already had a good number of practice games with it. Um, everyone's kind of excited to be using it. Um, so I've, uh, luckily, I, th I feel like I've got a pretty good mixed list, which is where my heart is for designing a Tyranid list. I like the idea of around 100 models and a good group of small stuff and then some mid-range and then some big stuff. It, it, it looks like a Tyranid army to me. Um, it's a little light on the light on the little stuff, but it is what it is. I've got like... The Tyrant, the Nerethrope, a um, couple packs of Warriors, a couple packs of Hormigaunts, and then a lot of that mid-range stuff, Tyrant Guard, Venomthropes, Raveners. Um, I'm missing one. Whatever, it'll come to me. And then, uh, yeah, that's kind of most of the list. It's a ranged output, isn't spectacular, but if you come anywhere within about 24 to 30 inches, it's going to die to those mortals. The, the mortal bomb is like, again, one of those things where you explain it to your opponent and they hear it and then they don't really do anything with the information. There's just, it has to happen to them first. And then they're like, oh, okay. Okay. I see. Do you have that moment? You're like, why didn't you tell me about that? You're like, I did. You just chose not to follow along. Yeah. You didn't do anything with the information. It's going to happen. Oh, sorry, say, how often after these games do you just hand over your card and be like, you know, if you're looking to get better, I'd be more than willing to help you out. <laughs> never. I never do that. <laughs> so, so we can expect your next coaching tier to be uh, sportsmanships. That's like, right. Hey, you too. I'm very proud of this. I got back to back. Oh, wow. I went to a tournament, got best sport, went to LVO, and then went to another tournament and got another best sport. So I'm very excited about that. 
real quick here before we kind of round it out here and Danny finishes up his questions. You did amazing at the, the Las Vegas Open this year. You finished fourth overall after kind of a grueling three days of games. How do you prepare for that? Because I know like a lot of people go in to just kind of start partying, kind of get ready to go like, yeah, Vegas. Yeah, it's a tournament. See all my friends. But you played like nine intense games of Warhammer over three days. Um, what do you do to prepare for that? Uh, well, okay, so I don't Ben's. usually party that much, even when I go to Vegas. I'll drink a little bit on the first night, but it was really easy to not party this time because if I got being Canadian, if I get COVID down there, it's a disaster. Like <laughs> it's, I'm just screwed. It's thousands of dollars that I'd be out like two weeks worth of work plus hotel plus everything else. So like I only went down because I had a good group of hotel mates and I got like tested going down. It was really, really careful. But other than that, it's like try and eat as best as you can. Try and stay hydrated. I got Gatorades and stuff. Um, try and sleep well. That doesn't happen on night three. Like if you are making it to the top eight, you're not going to sleep well. There's just no. Yeah, just calm your nerves. Just stop being excited about being in the top eight at LVO. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, guys. It's the, the, the advice from Alex McDougall himself. Uh, if you want to be in the top eight of the LVO, just do it. Hydrate. Yeah. Just do it. Stop making Perfect. excuses. And then when you're there, be old. Go to sleep. Drink some. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Were you being, being uh, an old man it helps? <laughs> were you equally um, as uh, sad as you were happy about making the shadow round? Uh, because that does mean you would have to play another game. <laughs> I was. It was weird. So at the end of round six, I had guaranteed best in faction for forces of the hive mind, which is this big like battle that me and Tyler Portell had been having because he went five and one and lost in round mm -hmm. six. So that was like this really awesome back and forth. So I had guaranteed that. I was extremely excited to just have made it that far at all. Uh, and then getting the shadow round, uh, I was excited to keep going pretty. I was kind of okay with just like, if I don't make the shadow round, I'll still have kind of exceeded my goals mm -hmm. uh, or achieved my goals. And then I saw I got Manny and I was like, okay, I gotta beat this rack list for the people. <laughs> this list has to go. <laughs> like well, I Thank had a you. lot of people cheering me on being like, you gotta beat this list. And I was like, you think, no, I this, this has to get out of here. <laughs> it's the worst. Manny was fantastic, but that list is cancer. <laughs> Well, luckily we have like the UK headhunter over here, taking out Malik, taking out Manny. Um, if you're a top player from the UK, uh, void Alec. Uh, Alex, that's the only Your advice title, we can really give here. Protector of North America. I think it probably fits pretty well. Yeah, throw your models into the harbor. Don't go to the <laughs> <Austin. laughs> so low thing that wouldn't joke with Lanks. I don't understand history very well, but I'm glad it did. Danny, before we wrap this up, uh, let, let our producer go back to his build plate. Let, let Alex go go about his way. Uh, what what else do you have here for uh, for Alex? Um, actually, so uh, I actually only had one more question for you, Alex. You mentioned like like, your key to success was to uh, was like repetition. Do you feel like that's the only thing you do to ensure success, or do you feel like there's other abilities that people can hone to kind of really make the most out of their tournament experience? You mean preparing for a tournament or at the yeah, tournament? preparing for a tournament? Yeah, uh, for preparing for a tournament, it obviously repetition helps, but making sure that you're conscious of what you're repeating, 
because some people will just like play a lot of games but they won't necessarily go back and analyze what they were doing in the games or like why something was successful or why it wasn't successful uh they'll just play a lot and then hope that that kind of gets them through because you'll hear people say like oh i uh, we only play like the first two turns and that has some value to just like work out those like early game kinks and figuring out like how to deploy and how to uh, kind of play those first kind of jockeying for positions on the board kind of stuff. But sometimes the biggest skills are like how to scrap out the last three points that's a win on like round five with you like yeah. four models left on the board. So yeah, making sure that your practice is actually of value. Awesome. Yeah, that's great advice. Love it. Perfect. Well, uh, Alex, thanks so much for coming on here. Uh, awesome advice here from Alex about the uh, tiers in general, how to play and even how to be a top player. Uh, just go to LVO and make the top eight. Uh, we're excited to it. see Let's do it. thousands of people in the top eight next year at LVO uh, <laughs> following the advice um, of our favorite Canadian bronze, uh, Alex McDougall. Uh, you can catch Danny and I uh, back next week uh, with more fun, more games, and more explained Seinfeld memes uh, as we will see you Monday. Curtain down! <laughs>